Monday morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, humans. Ellie Krug here with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. How are you on this Monday? Oh, my goodness. We're getting towards uh, later in October, and, you know, everything's starting to change, and, you know, yeah. And then I don't even want to say the S word. So, but I am thrilled to be here. We are here with LA 2.0 Radio, where we talk about idealism, and I call myself a practical idealist, where we talk about trying to change the world, trying to see the good in all humans, about hope and things like that. And today's theme is about befriending the untouchables, um, or not. Um, that would be the last segment where I'll talk about where I did something that I'm not very proud of. However, so we have a really great show. Um, regular listeners, you know what's coming. So for those who are new, who've never heard me speak before, hello, my name is Ellie Krug. Um, Ellen is the formal name. That will be in the obituary. But until then, it's Ellie to almost everyone. However, you're wondering, well, why does this woman sound like a man? And the reason for that is, is that I'm one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. Regular listeners, at some point, you'll just be able to say that along with me. Maybe you already are doing that. Um, so new listeners, please, I know it might be different, but give me a chance. I think you'll like the show. Um, and if you don't, well... Email me and let me know why you didn't like it. Okay, so when I say that this show is about befriending the untouchables, I am not talking about like the TV, you know, police guys going after gangsters. I'm talking about the untouchables that society deems unworthy, deems, um, deems not good enough for anyone else. That's the untouchables I'm talking about. <clears throat> and in Block A, I'm going to talk about um, uh, uh, something that happened 60 years ago where somebody befriended untouchables. Then we have the big interview with Father Harry Hartigan, uh, who's going to talk about his work at Moose Lake, talk about untouchables, and then I'll talk about something that I did, as I've already alluded to. Okay, as always, my goal is to make you think to spark your idealistic heart, and for some to move you off your lazy boy, to do, to do something bigger, something to make the world a better place. I know, but that's the idealist in me. So let's get started. I want to go back to 1957, long ago, when America was beginning to grapple with the impact of racism specifically with the impact of Brown versus Board of Education. Everyone knows that case, I think, about how the Supreme Court and a unanimous decision ruled that equal, uh, separate but equal was not constitutional as it related to educating um, uh, children of color and white children. That, that no, separate schools isn't good enough. Um, and so uh, let me take you to 1957. So Brown v. Board of Education came out in 54, and then there was a supplement in 55. I want to take you to a couple years after that, 1957, September of 57, in Little Rock, Arkansas, where the realization of Brown v. For, uh, uh, Brown v. Board of Education had come forward. To its credit, the, the school board in Little Rock had unanimously agreed on a plan for, to desegregate the schools. Um, but the governor of Arkansas at that time, Governor Orville Faubus, um, wasn't a fan of that, and he ordered the National Guard into Little Rock, specifically to Central High in Little Rock, to prevent black students from entering the school. The backdrop further was that when this happened, um, governor, uh, President Eisenhower at the time ordered, I mean, this was a major national story. President Eisenhower then ordered United States Army troops from the 101st Airborne into Little Rock, and then he federalized the Arkansas National Guard to ensure that nine black students could enter Little Rock Central High School. Those nine black students became known as the Little Rock Nine. These students um, had been vetted by the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, they had vetted them and had trained them on how to endure, I think that that would be the only word, harassment. Um, and even with the presence of federal troops, there was harassment of these students. 
Now, enter into the picture at, at Central High two white students, a teen boy named Ken Reinhardt and a teen girl named Ann Williams. Both Reinhardt and Williams bucked their white classmates and befriended the black students. As Elizabeth Eckford, one of the Little Rock Nine, later recalled, you know, 20 years later, it was Reinhardt and Williams um, that she recalled from being in Mrs. McGallan's speech class, which Mrs. McGallan apparently had, as a, as a good teacher would do, mandated that that was a safe zone for, its stu- for her students. And in that class, Reinhardt and Williams um, treated Eckford just as an ordinary human. As Eckford said, she, she said they, call, they treated her like, quote, an ordinary person and were always friendly and cordial. Isn't it amazing that I'm here telling you a story about how two white kids could just simply be nice to a, to a group of black kids and how that was so significant? I mean, think about that, really. <laughs> and don't get me started, but think about where we are in 2018. Yes, on, in, some, in some circles and in some plane. So I researched Ken Reinhardt after I heard about this. Um, and I found an interview he did in 1997 in the, in the Baptist Press. At that time, in 1997, he was a banking executive in Louisville, Kentucky. Reinhardt spoke um, in this interview about, in 1957, being a senior at Central High and seeing the black students enter the school and being jeered. He decided at that point, at that very moment, that he would act differently towards those black students, towards the Little Rock Nine. And he, and he made the decision that he would speak to them whenever he saw them. Reinhardt recalled in this article um, about speaking to Jefferson Thomas, one of the Little Rock Nine, a shy black student who was eating alone in the cafeteria, and then Reinhardt related, the day after that, the day after he spoke with Jefferson Thomas, he was shoved to the ground by an angry white student who yelled a racial slur at Reinhardt. On another occasion, a white student in gym class punched Reinhardt in the face. Um, people were calling Reinhardt's house, complaining to his father, to Reinhardt's father, that Reinhardt was being nice to these black students. But Reinhardt's father didn't waver. He supported his son throughout the whole experience, throughout the whole school year, 57 to spring of 58. Reinhardt explained that he grew up in a household without prejudice, that there were no racial slurs. Reinhardt said, quote, the value of people was a given, unquote, in his house. Reinhardt believed that prejudice was wrong, and he believed that God created all of us, apparently equally. Eventually, Eckford, that would be uh, the woman who was in Miss, the, one of the Little Rock Nine who was in Mrs. McGallan's class, and Reinhardt and Williams were reunited at an event in Kansas that was put on by the University of Maryland for its National History Day. Somebody at the University of Maryland heard this story about how Reinhardt and Williams were kind to the, to the um, Little Rock Nine, and they searched them out as well as Eckford, and they brought them all together. And, and um, Reinhardt, um, uh, Reinhard, excuse me, explained that he learned um, in 1998 at this event in Kansas that Elizabeth Eckford was still hurting from all of the emotional abuse in, and some physical inflicted on her at Central High in Little Rock. Reinhardt compared it to to her suffering from PTSD. Now, I want you to think about the courage um, and the belief in self and the belief in what is right that it took Eckhart and Williams to go against their tribe, to befriend the Little Rock Nine, people at the time considered untouchable, certainly considered off-limits, certainly considered less, less than equal, because of the color of their skin. Now, this is exactly what idealists do. They do the right thing even in the face of difficult circumstances. 
Idealists are the ones who are standing firm and tall, even though they will pay a price for it. And I mean, you know, Reinhardt certainly paid that price. I mean, getting punched in the face is a price. Now, it's certainly nothing compared to what the Little Rock Nine suffered, but nonetheless, he was one of the few people to stand up for people who at the time did not have the ability to advocate or have a voice for themselves. That's too what idealists do. They stand up for other people. They say something on their behalf for the people who cannot speak, for the people who cannot be heard. That's why, you know, that's why I'm doing this show, frankly, to highlight the need for us to be idealists, the need for us to speak up for others, the need to get off of our lazy boy and go out and try and make the world a better place. When we come back from our break, um, I'll do the big interview. We'll talk with Father Harry Hardigan, another human doing the right thing, befriending untouchables. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. I hope you like what you hear. If you do, please visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple, 5,000 uh, readers strong at this point. People love my newsletter. And when we come back, we'll do the big interview, as I said, with Father, Father Harry Hartigan. Thanks. Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to others. I'd love for you to join me. Go to elliekrug.com and look at the Human is Human public events page for more. Please come and please tell others. See you then. Join Quorum as they celebrate their 25th annual National Coming Out Day Luncheon, presented by U.S. Bank. This inspirational luncheon gives voice to the power of living openly, honestly, and with authenticity. Coming out still matters, and the National Coming Out Day Luncheon is a reminder that doing so creates new advocates for equality. Reserve your tickets today for this event on Thursday, October 11th. The National Coming Out Day Luncheon will be at McNamara Alumni Center this year, 200 Southeast Oak Street in Minneapolis. The luncheon will go from 11 a.m to 1.15 p.m. with tickets available to members for $59 or non-members for $69. Guest speakers include Tom Hoke, Ann Deist, Minneapolis City Council member Philippe Cunningham, and youth advocate Manolin Houle. Quorum depends on the generosity of its sponsors to continue providing the highest quality of service, so please consider signing up for one of the sponsorship levels or sponsoring a table at the luncheon. Learn more or purchase your tickets at TwinCitiesQuorum.com. That's TwinCitiesQuorum.com. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Margaret Wheatley said, There is no more powerful way to initiate significant social change than to start a conversation. When a group of people discover that they share a common concern, that's when the process of change begins. On October 16th, you can be part of that change. Engage in the conversation at an incredible event. The Minnesota Women's Press Conversations, Using Our Voice and Vote. With midterms right around the corner, how we lobby, influence, and campaign, especially with people who have different views, has never been more important. So go to womenspress.com to register now. Oh, and Patricia Torres-Ray and Nakima Levy-Armstrong will be in a keynote conversation with each other. And in addition, all of us will mobilize through incredible breakout conversations. October 16th, from 4.30 to 8.30 in St. Paul at Carondelet Center, using our voice and vote. Register at Women's Press.com. That's womenspress.com. See you there. And we are back on AM 
9.50. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. Um, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll just tell you the story about Ken Reinhardt and Ann Williams and the um, Little Rock Nine. I just, it's about doing the right thing under the right, under the, under circumstances when most humans would not do the right thing. And now we're ready for the big interview because talking about doing the right thing, I've got Father Harry Hardigan here. Father, uh, Father Harry, how are you today? I'm fine, Allie. How are you? I'm good. And when I think about humans doing the right thing, particularly under conditions where you have to deal with or, or interact with, quote-unquote, the untouchables in our society, you are the person that I think of. Um, first and foremost. Thank you, Allie. So, uh, Father Harry, um, when I had my um, uh, Hidden Edges radio show, we had you on, and you and I have since become friends. Correct. Um, <laughs> correct. Thank you. And um, and just for the uh, audience uh, um, education, why don't you just say you're you're an apostolic priest. I'm in the Catholic Apostolic Church in North America. I'm okay. a priest who was ordained fully on uh, April 28th of this past year, but I've been a deacon and with the church for a while. Congratulations on your ordination. You. You're just barely out of the wrapper on that. That's just great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Father Harry, um, I know you and you're a friend of mine. Actually, you're, you're quite a dear friend of mine, so audience members just know that. And um, I wanted to have you on this show because when I had you on my prior show, Hidden Edges Radio, we were talking about surviving the human condition, and you know, this show is about idealism, and you are absolutely idealistic. That's no question about it. Um, and you and I have some things in common. We both had uh, significant life changes. We shifted course as it related to either gender or sexuality. You 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 switched um, course. Uh, you had been married and had children. Is that That's right? That's correct. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of your story so that the audience knows who you are, and then we're going to turn to Moose Lake. Great. Um, I'm a simple guy who grew up in the city of Chicago in a family of nine children. Um, and I married, I grew up in the 50s, I married in um, after high school uh, while I was in the military. Uh, I have three children, six grandchildren, wow. and now three great-grandchildren. So, um, And I came out, um, I was married for like 18 years, um, and always knew I was gay but didn't know what it was and how to deal with it. So um, I started dealing with it when I went back to finish my degree. Okay. And how long ago was that? Back in the 80s. Okay. Early All right. 80s. And then since then, you, you I mean, you worked in, uh, you worked at the University of Minnesota for a period of time. Um, you had other, you, I, you worked for Delta Airlines for Correct. a period of time. And then um, at some point you had a calling. I did. I probably always had the calling. Uh, after high school, I had entered the Christian Brothers, but uh, that was right around Vatican II, so I, things were falling apart. I didn't stay. Um, but I always had a calling and always did um, ministry in an interesting way. I've been a foster parent. Um, I've been a teacher in the Catholic, in the Catholic Church. Uh, done some of those things throughout life, so... And and what what was it? What do you what do you think caused you to believe in the good of other people, and then want to really now certainly dedicate your life to that? Correct. Um, it, when I look at it and I think about it and I struggle with this because we I'm as I said I'm simple, um, but my parents and my faith were the two things that guided me in this world. My dad served in in World War Two. Um, you never heard him complain, right? He set an example. Um, he befriend, befriended uh, people on the street. Um, there's a gentleman, he will live in my memory always. His name was Fran. And my father hired him to do work, although he probably, I don't know where he met him or how, but we all knew Fran. He built a closet. I remember playing in that closet. Um, and he would, if you were broke down on the road in the days when cars weren't as, quite as reliable, 
he'd stop and help you. Your dad would, yeah. He would. Okay. He would, right? And my mother, um, if you showed up for dinner unannounced, you were fed. <laughs> well, you know, Harry, one of the, th you know, I've been doing this show about idealism for, uh, um, well, uh, nine months now, kind of having a baby here. <laughs> and... Um, and I've had a, no a lot of people on about who are idealists, and one of the recurring themes always is that it was their parents, that their parents modeled, that their parents in some way showed them that they needed to think about the greater good of all humans. Absolutely. Okay. So thinking about that and, and having that as our backdrop, you've been involved with Moose Lake. Correct. And for our listeners who are not familiar with Moose Lake, it is the state of Minnesota repository, that's probably the right word, um, for um, sex, sex offenders in the state of Minnesota. Sex crimes. Sex crimes. And um, yes, and I need to watch my terminology here, but the Moose Lake is filled with mainly men, right? Correct. Uh, 720-something men and one woman. Okay. Who had been adjudicated through the criminal system for sex-related offenses and then deemed um, uh, dangerous to the community or to themselves and then civilly committed to Moose Lake. Correct. So Moose Lake is a prison, but it won't say that. They won't admit that. It Absolutely. Is a, it is a facility that they claim where they're attempting to rehabilitate people, although... I'm, are we up at one person's been released from Moose Lake? Two now. Two now in? 26 years. 26 years. So you minister at Moose Lake. I do, and at St. Peter. Okay, and St. Peter is, um, in theory, the place where once they are semi-rehabilitated at Moose Lake, they will go to St. Peter. Is that right? Yes, they have uh, two campuses, basically, is what they would say. Okay, all right, okay. Well, maybe then some people just get released from Moose Lake, I mean, only twice. But so, so you, how did you get involved with Moose Lake? Well, I, I initially, um, there were two men who were able to obtain a marriage license and wanted to get married. Um, and they could find no one who would do their wedding. Okay. And um, this is only, what, two, three years ago? Uh, they married two years, two, three years ago, correct. Okay. Yep. And I was a deacon at the time, um, and somebody passed it on to me and asked me if I'd be willing to go up there and do a wedding. So I went and met with them uh, several times before the wedding, and I did their wedding. Um, they were resourceful enough to get a marriage license after the marriage amendment. Um, folks here wouldn't go up unless you paid them a lot of money. And... I went. You mean pastors? Pastors right. yep. would not. Yep. Okay. And Harry, I'm going to interrupt you because we're coming up on a break. Okay. But when we come back, I want to hear more about how you got involved with Moose Lake. Sure. And then more importantly about what you're finding there at Moose Lake. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. I'm speaking with Father Harry Hardigan of the Catholic Apostolic Church. Father Harry has his congregation he'll talk about in a second. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at lhakrug at gmail.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. And when we come back, we'll talk further with Father Harry. Thanks so very much. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. It's a good day to be indigenous. Native Earths Radio presents I'm Awake. Our weekly Native American talk radio show will discuss national and local Native American news and events. Local and national guests will help us keep current with Mother Earth, tribal, and Twin City issues. Native American issues are human issues. We invite all people to walk hand-in-hand hand with our struggles, victories, and achievements. Listen Saturdays at 2 p.m. I am awake. 
Thank you, Minnesota, for helping family-owned Warner Stellion become one of the most respected appliance sellers in the U.S. We believe the best way to thank you is with unbeatable savings. Now through October 15th, get free installation from our trusted specialists on select Bosch and KitchenAid dishwashers. Or save hundreds on a new kitchen suite. We'll help you find just the right one to complement your style. These and hundreds more unbeatable deals await you through October 15th. Exclusively from Minnesota's own appliance specialist, Warner Stellion. As we head into fall, get your vehicle service done at Rudy Luther Toyota. Regardless of where you've purchased your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is your number one destination for auto service and repair. Routine maintenance or a larger repair, easily schedule your appointment on their website, RudyLutherToyota.com. That's RudyLutherToyota.com. They're fast, courteous, and they get the job done right. And considering my schedule, I trust them. Get your vehicle ready for the cooler weather with a trip to Rudy Luther Toyota, five miles west of downtown Minneapolis on 394. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Today, Indigenous People Day, showers with a high near 56. Tuesday, rain with a high near 57. And Wednesday, rain likely with a high near 52. The St. Paul Art Crawl is next weekend, Friday, October 12th, Saturday, October 13th, and Sunday, October 14th. This is a perfect opportunity for art lovers to celebrate, learn about, and collect local art. The Art Crawl has over 300 participating artists. Find out more at stpaulartcrawl.org. back on LE 2.0 radio on AM 950. Hello again. When we uh, started, when we took our break, we were speaking with Father Harry Hardigan of the Catholic Apostolic Church. Father Harry was starting to talk about his work up at Moose Lake. Harry, you got up there. It's okay if I call you Harry. It's fine. Okay. Harry, you got up there um, because two men in, at Moose Lake wanted to get married. You did the you did the service for them, and then you got educated about what Moose Lake was about. Correct. And the sad part about it is that um, they were so desperate to have outside connection because they're part of the Untouchables, and they're the lost souls, the forgotten souls. They are in, here in Minnesota in our criminal justice in our civil commitment system. Right. right, exactly, and and these folks, um, I would the folks I work with. I don't know all of them, but the folks that I work with, I wouldn't hesitate to invite for dinner. Well, and you've invited so um, you and I actually became friends because you invited me up there for their Pride celebration in May of 2017. Correct. And I I went there, and and uh, you're right; they were very hungry for outside contact. They were certainly very welcoming to me and very appreciative that I was there and I spoke and talked about surviving the human condition. So, so Harry, what you have found, well, there's one gentleman that I met, and, and I don't recall his name, you have his name, um, who's been there for more than two decades and who had been there as a result of having some kind of sexual relations when he was a teenager with somebody who was younger and it sounded to me like somebody in the local county got very upset and wanted him arrested because technically that's statutory rape but it sounded like it was even still a consensual relationship with the younger person but he's been there for how long Harry? 26 years 26 um, years the young man's name is lincoln lincoln um he's an incredible artist 
I've shown you some of his work. You have. Um, we're going to do a um, showing of his work along with the uh, Untouchables at the First Unitarian Church the end of October. Um, this young man, someone asked him what time it was, and he built a working clock out of paper that ran for 45 minutes. Paper gears, everything was paper. He's, it's just incredible. Right, and and but he's languishing there because the the folks at Moose Lake. He was he was a teenager. He was a teenager, and the folks at Moose Lake, notwithstanding what they say about rehabilitation, they are not geared towards that. They are not. And I think part of what we have to understand is it's Moose Lake. It is rural Minnesota, and I don't have anything against people living in Greater Minnesota. I love people living in Greater Minnesota. But the, the openness to people with different um, sexual orientations, um, sexual ideation, um, is very, very limited. I mean, I know that when I went up there, they had never had a transgender person, person. ever speak. Yep. Um, and and um, when I approached them afterwards, do you want some training, I was hearing that you know, that they were bringing in somebody to only for the first time, not Ellie Krug, but somebody else to do some training. And they've had people with gender identity issues there for decades. And we don't, they don't even deal with it. Their policy is just almost impossible to deal with. That's correct. Because, yes. And well, they have a, a lot of policies and you've been, so let's talk about our idealist in the midst at Moose Lake because Harry, you push the envelope when you go there. I do. I do, because I'm there for the people, um, for these folks that are trapped there in this system. Um, I go there to bring them some hope, um, to, to say that I believe in you, right? Um, Lincoln is an incredible individual. His art is just phenomenal. I do a service under very limited conditions. He realized I needed a stand for my for my book, so he's in Called the, the Bible. Yeah. He's, he's he's building with the, the the sacramental. He's building the book, a holder, because uh, okay. I don't have one up there because I can't bring anything in. Well, not only that, Harry. I mean, they've got they've got rules against you can't touch um, the uh, right. residents. Okay. Um, you hug. You can't do a a, a real hug. You got to do a side hug, the bro hug. Right. You you know, there's certain things you can't say. Right. Certain things you cannot bring in that any um, quote unquote normal um, uh, chaplainy uh, service would be able to right. do. Um, I don't even know if that was a word, but go that with me good. on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should have just let it go. Okay. <laughs> And so, and so, and then there's another gentleman there, Harry, that also is an artist. What what is there's his a, name? Um, there's a young man, Thomas, who was there, um, who's now at Opark Heights because he didn't subscribe to all of their uh, treatment program, and he would stand up for himself, and so now he's at Opark Heights, which is a crim that now he's back into the penal system. Back in the penal system. Okay. Um, and but Thomas is this incredible. Uh, young man who was abused as a child. Um, his mother traded him for drugs, uh, traded him sexually for drugs. Um, he was protecting his older brother who was uh, disabled. Um, and so he has written a group of poems, um, eight poems that tell his story. And they're painful, extremely painful. But Thomas has now been in solitary confinement at Oak Park Heights for quite a while. And uh, he's 35 years old. Oh. Um, but he, he's this incredible man, and he writes to me. And he's now developed a relationship with God. Um, he's finding himself. But at 35, he's lived a terrible life. Right, um, he has a daughter that I believe he gave up, um, who now has her own child. So you can imagine he's 35, and he has a daughter who now has a child. Right, um, he also has a younger son, um, but he's a gay man who has struggled with his own identity and who he was. But his poetry is perfect. I mean just amazing. He sent it to me. I had to transcribe it, but um, he sent it to me on very small paper and very tiny writing. <laughs> okay, well, but Harry, so 
the 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 seven hundred plus people at Moose Lake are our untouchables. They are, and yet you go in. Are, is there any other clergy serving this institution? There are other folks that come up. Um, you know, the Jehovah Witnesses okay. serve uh, both um, both facilities. I believe there's some Lutheran folks that come up, um, but um, they've identified us as the gay church or the welcoming gay church. Right? Okay. And that opens another door, right? My The group that I do at St. Peter is a support group. I don't do it as clergy. I do it just as Harry Hardigan. Okay. Um, and so I go to St. Peter and meet with the folks. They have the same frustrations. Um, when I was ordained, one of the uh, people at Moose Lake made a stole, this absolutely gorgeous stole. It's a rainbow stole with a rainbow cincture that they gave me for my ordination. Oh, how nice. And it's made with love. It's absolutely stunning. Right, right. So, Harry, um, in the four minutes we've got left, tell me, what drives you to do this? I mean, you, 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 um, you're trying to build your congregation here, and, and before we get done, let's make sure we let uh, the audience hear sure. how they can come and hear you speak. But you're trying to build your congregation. You know that this is putting you in a box. You know that this is labeling you as the Moose Lake, the gay Moose Lake priest right okay and yet you you persist and yet you continue why it's because of the people these people are incredible individuals they're they're wounded terribly wounded people right. most of them have been abused not treated for their abuse not treated for uh, their post-traumatic stress or you know their attention deficit or um, any of those things right everything's about their sexuality in a bad way right not in a good way right right but why you Harry why why are you the one I don't know God God called and said you know uh, these people need someone to come up there and bring them some hope you know that hope thing is a pretty pretty powerful thing powerful. Isn't it? you know we've got the election coming up um, in a couple of weeks, I mean, there are a lot of people right now listening right now with a lot of hope about what's going to happen on November 6th. And, and if we don't step up to these issues, right, these people are not bad people. They've made a mistake. Right. Your, your, uh, Kathy with the Lyft Garage Kathy, talked about that. God bless her for hiring people with a criminal background. And, and that's right. And I've, I had um, uh, Emily Hunt uh, on on the show about um, All Square, the cheese... Uh, well, the, the cheese place. The grilled cheese place. Great place to go for lunch or dinner. It is, but 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 we do have to believe in the power of humans to heal. And, and for Moose Lake, the question is, at what point has somebody served their time for making a mistake? Now, I do not want to diminish the survivors of sexual nope. abuse. Correct. By any stretch, I have great respect for our survivors, and, and I'm in awe of the strength and the power that they have. But if we're going to be a society that is just and right, that does require a degree of forgiveness absolutely, and the opportunity to start over again. And it's idealists like you, Harry. I mean, you are going, as far as I'm concerned, you're going into the lion's den. It not, is. You know, not only with the, the population that you serve, but with the administration there, with the, the way that, you know, that the whole orientation is of, of the people who oversee um, the residents of Moose Lake. It is not... It is not a welcoming place. It isn't. You were there. You know. I do know that. And and the the amazing thing about Moose Lake, St. Peter, any of those facilities, Stillwater, um, it's harsh. It's very very harsh. And everybody is viewed as bad when right. they're not. Right. When they're not, and they're not raised up. They're not helped to be better than they are. Right. Well, and that's where this art comes in from Lincoln and then Thomas as the poet. I mean, this is this is their way, <clears throat> excuse me, I, that I have no doubt that this is how they are surviving. Correct. You know, and it is amazing, um, particularly for Lincoln's artwork. I just, uh, I'm blown away. I mean, it you, is. you, could see me that, away. you could see that artwork anywhere in New York City, you know, at a gallery. For lots of money. For lots of money. That's this, right. This gentleman is absolutely 
amazing. He has incredible gifts that we've locked away. And as a society, we can't keep locking away people. No. We cannot do that. Nope. We have to be more more forgiving. And of course, we have to oversee people and all that stuff. Well, Harry, I'm sorry, but we've run out of time. It has been great to, to hear you. Um, real quickly, where's your church if people want to see? We hold services on Saturday at 1 o'clock at Hennepin Avenue United Methodist. Give us the name of your congregation. Uh, St. Teresa's uh, Parish in the Catholic Apostolic Church. Do you have a website? Uh, we do. What is it? It is casina.org. How do you spell casina? C-A-C-I-N-A. Okay. All right. Well, Father Harry Hardigan, it's been great to have you on LE 2.0 Radio. Thanks for being here. Thanks for talking about your work. And most of all, thank you for doing the work. Thank you so much, Allie. I greatly appreciate it. All right. Take care. We'll be back in a sec. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life can benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pride-institute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. Be sure to pick up your copy of this month's Natural Awakenings magazine, a free local guide to a healthier and more balanced life. Each monthly issue includes timely, local, national, and global stories. Learn about alternative and complementary medicine, nutrition, fitness for body and mind, personal growth, sustainability, and much more. Natural Awakenings can be found at area health food stores, food co-ops, and retail locations. More information is available at NaturalTwinCities.com. That's NaturalTwinCities.com. Hello, humans. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many know that I have a diversity and inclusion company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I want to share about a speaking event I'll be hosting on Monday, November 5th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis. I'll be giving my gray area thinking talk on how to be welcoming to others. I'd love for you to join me. Go to elliekrug.com and look at the Human is Human public events page for more. Please come and please tell others. See you then. Waking up is easy when you look forward to breakfast. Serve seven days a week at the Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul. Try eggs your way with hash browns, bacon, or sausage. There are four delicious varieties of eggs Benedict that should not be missed. And buttermilk pancakes, waffles, or French toast are always fresh off the griddle. How about a Bloody Mary or screwdriver from the bar? The Downtowner Woodfire Grill is located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Oh my God, I can listen to that Galileo song all day. I could also listen to Father Harry Hardigan all day. You know, I don't know how you can be anything but inspired by listening to him. Father Harry is a role model for all of us. He is going into, as I said, the lion's den and, um, and doing things that most people would just absolutely say, why are you doing that, Father? And obviously you know why he's doing it, because he believes in the goodness of all humans. 
he also um, believes he's got a good connection with God and that that would be what God would want. I would think that that would be what Jesus Christ would want. That you go to the lesser, that you treat them with respect, that you advocate for them. And by the way, uh, that artwork that he talked about that Lincoln did, I, I'm ju I just, I've got to tell you, I am not kidding. It is among the best artwork I have ever seen by an amateur artist. Phenomenal. So, and and Father Harry talked about the event that's going to take place at the Unitarian Church on October 23, I believe. Um, so, um, reach out to Father Harry to see if you can get more details. Now, in this C block, I want to sh I share stories that touch on me and my work as an idealist and on what shaped me. And I'm going to share a story about how I fell down, where I didn't do the right thing as it related to untouchables. Um, unlike what we've heard um, so far in this show. Now, I grew up in Cedar Rapids. I was in an upper middle income uh, neighborhood called Bowman Woods. Um, at the time I moved in, it was the, the flashiest, newest, shiniest neighborhood in Cedar Rapids. And it happened to be, I think, the entire neighborhood with probably 300 homes. I think it was all white. There might have been one black family. And at that time, so remember, you're listening to somebody who is transgender here. Um, at the time when I was growing up in Cedar Rapids, I was I presented as a as a male, as a boy, as a teen boy, um, and I um, I had the good fortune of, of of being friends with a group of seven or eight from my neighborhood in Bowman Woods, all again upper middle class kids, white boys. Um, and uh, and 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 very close. In fact, one of those boys from that neighborhood, um, he and I have been best friends. And I'm like talking, like speak on the telephone four or five times a week. Best friends. He lives in Boulder right now, but we have been best friends since um, I think we're going on 47 years. So um, a good experience. However, there was a family in the neighborhood, and I'm going to give you the name. This is the real name. I'm not using a pseudonym. They were the O'Briens. And they were um, a little bit of, of your odd ducks, and we don't need to get into that. Or so we believe they were, at least. One of those kids, I, um, um, named Pat O'Brien, was in my class. He was also a football player like me. Yes, I know, it's a long story. I have written a book. You can read all about it there. Early on, um, Pat O'Brien and his family became the focus of uh, my group of friends, our common harassment. We made fun of him to his face, fun of Pat to his face. We made jokes about him, and we did what is commonly called as mobbing. We mobbed him, not in the sense that we were going around beating him up or anything like that, but, um, you know, when we wanted to uh, feel good about ourselves, um, it was the O'Briens and Pat in particular that we... Um, we made fun of and took advantage of. Uh, the harassment continued, not only with Pat, but with his family. I mean, we used to make phone calls to his house, and on more than one occasion, I was engaged in egging his house. Yeah, I was one of those teenagers. I'm not at all proud about that. Eventually, we got caught. We did. We got caught egging the house, and that resulted in a trip for me down to the Cedar Rapids Police Department. But because I and my um, buddies were white and of privilege, we got off with a warning. And my family having to pay something towards repainting the O'Brien house. Now that kind of put an end to us harassing the O'Briens. But that didn't happen until I think um, my freshman or sophomore year of, co of high school. Now I tell you all of this from the perspective of 45 years later. I am ashamed of what I did. It was exceedingly, exceedingly poor of me, exceedingly unkind, exceedingly inconsiderate, exceedingly mean, what I did to Pat O'Brien and to his family. I mean, I did it, of course, to fit in, uh, you know, about being part of a tribe that was, you know, my, my, my guys, okay, but it was so wrong. I knew it then, but I still did it. I knew that it was wrong what I was doing. In fact, my parents had warned me about doing it, but I still did it. And I suspect that most of the white students 
who are heckling and harassing the Little Rock Nine that we talked about at the beginning of this show. I suspect that most of them knew that was wrong, what they were doing to the Little Rock Nine. And then to, you know, Ken Reinhardt and uh, Ann Williams um, for standing up for the Little Rock Nine. Um, that they knew that it was wrong, but they still did it. You know, I never really formally apologized to Pat O'Brien or to the O'Brien family. That was wrong, too. I should have done that. Hopefully now, 45 years and and a um, gender transition later, I am a better person. I would know I am a better person, and I don't even have to hope. I know that I am. Um, hopefully now, I will always do the right thing for not only... Um, humans who are touchable, but also for the untouchables. Frankly, I think I've dedicated my life to speaking up right now for people who lack voices, so hopefully I will do that in the future. We're all works in progress, but I do have great shame over, I, over how I treated Pat and his family. I do. All right, well, uh, now, before I go, I need to do a plug for my public event that's occurring in a few weeks no, on November 5th, 5th, excuse me, at Open Book, um, the Loft Literary Center in Minneapolis from 6.30 to 8.30. I'll be giving my human inclusivity talk, gray area thinking. If you have an interest, I would love to see you there, listeners. Please go to Eventbrite, and event. all you have to do is uh, type in Eventbrite Gray Area Thinking or go to my website at elliekrug.com and scroll down to the Human is Human page, and you'll see instructions on how to get tickets for my event for Gray Area Thinking on November 5th from 6.30 to 8.30 at Open Book. I would love to see you there. Okay, well, that puts another show into the can, as we like to say. Um, you've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. A big thanks to our sponsors, the Pride Institute, which is a drug and alcohol residential and outpatient recovery center, and the Brending Electrolysis. Contact Bev. Let Bev know I recommended you because she does such incredibly great work. We are looking for other sponsors. Maybe we might have some in the pipeline, but we would love to have more sponsors because that's how this works. It is. And I need to give a big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett, as always, you're phenomenal. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com or email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I love hearing from our guests uh, or from my listeners. Until next week, have a good life and do the right thing. Thanks. Thanks.